Welcome to episode 281. It's baseball season, and as any athlete will tell you, success is mostly mental. Well, the same is true with leadership. It's all about healthy mindsets. That's today on the Reclaim Leader. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 281 of the Reclaim Leader. I'm Jason Tucker, back again with Jesse Skippington. Jesse, how are you doing today? Hey, man, it is Little League season, so I'm hanging on by thread. We've got <laughs> stuff going on in our house, but I feel like I'm always on the way to or from something and late for something else. So anyway, but... <laughs> and each game do? is three hours long. So that's I know, cool. it's the best. I know. Anyway, having a great time. Love talking shop, leadership, and we're... Uh, Kicking something around today that I think is a really important kind of aspect of our life as leaders that I'm glad you want to raise, and um, we're going to kind of wrestle through this. So tell us a little bit about where we're going today as we're talking uh, leadership in the church. Well, as Yogi Berra famously said, 90% of the game is half mental. (laughs) I feel like this is true in when it comes to leading change or church revitalization or anything that we're trying to do. So much of it has to do with with what's going on in between our ears and in between the ears of the people in the congregation. It is a mental game. Leading change is absolutely a mental game. And what I want to talk about today is something that came about by recognizing some things in myself, but I feel like God's brought three different resources in a very, very short amount of time across my desk as if to say, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, <laughs> pay attention to this. And they're all about mindset. They're all about what are things that are limiting you or stopping you from moving forward on the things that God wants you to do? So I think that's a pretty important topic because for a lot of us, we get stuck there and and we don't move forward. Yeah. So thinking in terms of mindset and what is our mindset and how's that helpful maybe, or, and then maybe some ways that it's not so helpful or getting in the way. And I'm wondering, Jason, are you sure it was God putting those things on your desk or was it your staff team or maybe your wife? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know who it was. I mean, but... either way. <laughs> either way, they're there. I like. <laughs> so um, the importance of mindset is something that's famously used in the story of Sir Roger Bannister. And uh, he, he was born 1929, just passed away not that long ago in 2018, but he was famous for breaking the four minute mile. And uh, many of you know this story. It's used often as an example of mindset, but you know, um, at the risk of repeating it again, <laughs> no, it's, it's, good. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, I think it's really helpful. And that is the four minute mile was thought to be something that was physically impossible for humans to achieve, a sub four minute mile. In fact, there were scientific journals around the turn of the century that said the human body would break down before it could run that fast. So science was saying it could not be done. Well, that science was right about my human body, I think. (laughs) Well, you know, that's right. (laughs) And runners had been earnestly trying to break that since about 1886. So Mm -hmm. you can't really count all the time before. They weren't really trying to do it, but trying in earnest since 1886. And the world record before Roger Bannister was at four minutes, 1.3 seconds. And that stood for nine years. Then on May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister runs a three minute, 59.4 second mile, which I can't even get my head around how fast that is. It's really pretty fast. Yeah, that's really fast. Really fast. Um, 
And the amazing thing is, is when you realize, well, if the previous world record world record stood for nine years, how long did this one last? I mean, he finally did it. It lasted 46 days. Yep. Why? What changed? Did human bodies change? No, it was mindset change. And I feel like that's obviously a dramatic example, but I think it's no less dramatic. The mindset barriers that we have in our everyday lives that stop us from fulfilling the purpose that God's called us to. And some of these things are things that we just get in our head. Some of these things are things that your church has in their head about themselves that just simply aren't true, that are holding them back from something that's even beyond what they think is possible. Limiting mindsets in ministry. I mean, when you think about what would a limiting mindset be when it comes to ministry? I I was just thinking about a few before we hit record. The mindset is we can't change. It is what it is. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. It just is what it is. It just is what it is. It's not going to be. And and I get it, right? In some ways, you have to come to terms with reality in different things. But also, it becomes a habit. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. We are too old of a congregation. I'm too old as a leader. I'm already set in my ways. We don't have enough money to do X, right? A scarcity thinking, scarcity mindset. We don't have enough money. Or if we only, then we could, (laughs) right? If we only, if only the conditions were better, then we could. If only we had more donors, if only we had more young people. I mean, just put whatever you want in that blank. If we only, then we could. These are things that absolutely get us stuck because we start believing that things can be no other way. I think it's a mindset problem. I don't know what... can you think of some other mindset yeah, no, you, limiters? Definitely hit on some of those. And I think for me, sometimes it's like all my best ideas are behind me. Oh, like yeah. forgetting that those like were brand new thoughts at one point that then God could generate again in a new way. Like, so sometimes for me, it's that or um, something like I've reached my ceiling of my leadership in this particular situation or something there, you know. Um, there's nowhere else for me to grow. Uh, I think we can, there's, there's parts of it like that where we, we get self-limiting or we, we, we diminish, like we say, well, I think I've achieved everything that I can. I don't know that there's anything more I can do. I, you know, sort of that, that four minute miles, is such a good example. Or I think of like uh, the, the former Navy SEALs that train CEOs about holding their breath underwater and how long they think they can go. And, you know, they start at like 30 seconds and then by the end, they've gotten them up to two minutes because they're helping them overcome this mindset that they can only do so much. So I think there's a there's some self-doubt that enters into our mindset, too, that is limiting. Who am I to suggest this idea or this change or, you know, there's just a lot of ways that we, we see that. But that's a few. And, and there's a line, I think, between knowing who you are. Yeah. And, and not letting your self-determination about yourself uh, (laughs) stop you, right? Or like knowing who you are, but also not getting stuck in where you are. Right. Well, and I think we kind of grew up in a world that sometimes said, you know, you can be whatever you want to be if you just believe it and dream it, right? Like, well, no, I'm (laughs) five foot 11, 165 (laughs) pounds. Like there's one of those in the major leagues. His name was Ichiro Suzuki, right? And he was, (laughs) but there's no one else. Like, so yeah, there's some, limitations on some things that we have to learn to accept and live with and 
And, and yet I think sometimes we, we lower the bar. What I hear us saying is sometimes we, we have a mindset that limits way beyond, uh, beyond what is sort of like, yeah, I can't be an NBA basketball player. I'm not physically capable of it or something like that. And then there, but we take that, that mentality and we, we apply it in a situation where maybe it actually is getting in the way of something we can't see or don't think we can do, uh, when, when we actually could, we could break that four minute mile in whatever that area is. Yeah. I'll give you an example of my own limiting ministry belief that I've lived with a long time that I'm realizing I need to address. And that is I'm not good at raising money. I think that's a limiting belief for me. Yeah. The reason I say I'm not good is because I don't like it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not comfortable. And what I mean, raising money, I include talking about stewardship. I mean, that's yeah. really, but I yeah. just want to make sure that's clear. I don't like it for pastoral reasons because I was once the cynic who heard the church talking about money and being like, yep, there it is. They just care about my money. That's why they want me here. I'm playing into uh, an area where folks are coming to our church, having been burned by other churches and money. So I'm a bit allergic to that. But here's the problem. If we're going to fund the mission that God has us on, we're going to need the resources to do it. And it is literally my job and my spiritual responsibility to talk about it. It's a limiting belief that's, I think, become a problem for me. Yeah. And and I'm going to apply this later in the conversation, but I just want to throw that out there. I yeah. think we all have these kind of limiting beliefs. I think so and then and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You're like I'm not good at it, therefore I'm not going to do it, which then means I'm even worse at it and it kind of goes that way. The one for me that's self-limiting limiting thinking that I have to be careful with is I I say to myself, I am not a good delegator. I'm not very good at delegation. And the truth is I Again, I don't like delegating. I wish people would just do their job and come ask me what they can take off my plate and then I'll give it to them, right? Um, it turns out that delegation is super important, but it's not something that as a DIYer, I really like doing. I like to keep control of things. And the part of delegation that I need to get better at is not uh, the, um, you know, knowing that it's important to give something away, but actually letting go of the control of whatever the thing is and delegating the authority for someone to go and run with it. So, yeah, I've, I think I've told myself that story a long time that I'm just not good at delegating. Um, and that's why it doesn't get done as consistently as it should be. So I, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank for you as you're listening. What is your, your thing? I mean, maybe you can relate to one of those two. Yeah. I mean, it could be a personal thing. It could be a church thing, whatever that looks like for you. So these are the three resources that have come across my desk that I mentioned are Atomic Habits. Many of you know, this is a best-selling book. Uh, Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones by James Clear. Soundtracks, the surprising solution to overthinking by John Acuff. And the power to change, mastering the habits that matter most by Craig Groeschel. I'm really going to be, these are all playing like background music throughout this episode, but especially the first two, I'm actually going to quote directly atomic habits and soundtracks. And why is this important? Because I, I think, I think it's a part of what we learn about how to be followers of Jesus through passages like Romans 12, two talking about a renewing of the mind so that we may be able to test and prove what God's will is. I I think a mind renewal is something that the Holy Spirit does on a daily basis. 
I think renewing our mind has some biblical uh, foundation and warrant that we need to be open to the Holy Spirit planting in us whatever he wants to set our minds to do. Mm-hmm. And that requires, again, just being open to the Spirit doing it. So the first question that I think that's important to ask is, how do we know we need a mindset change? How do you identify these areas? Because oftentimes you don't even know they're going on. So in John Acuff's book, Soundtracks, his idea of soundtracks are like, you go to a movie and you're, you're enjoying the movie and you don't even notice it, but the soundtrack changes in the movie and it changes your whole emotional response to the moment. He said, soundtracks are like that in our lives. It's the repetitive thought that happens that we think to ourselves and we don't even always realize that we're doing it. It's a response to things and it's creating emotional responses. It's creating all sorts of mindset responses. And some, and the problem is what we think is often getting in the way of what we want. And part of the, the trick is how do you identify these soundtracks that are playing? How do you identify these mindsets that need to be changed? Because what's at stake is your thoughts turn into actions and your actions turn into results. So again, if you don't address how you think, it's really hard to address what you want to change. He said, think of a big dream you have in your life. And thinking about, hey, I want to start working on this in the next three months, this big dream that I have. When you think of that thing, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? He says, it, what, what's that voice inside you saying, I, I don't have time right now. I, I, can't, I can't do it. I need more training. I need, it's not the right season. I'm not in the right place. I'm not, you know, whatever it is. That's the, a cue that there's a mindset limitation there. And once you can sort of identify that you have a mindset issue, it's like that scripture about taking every thought captive unto Christ. Like, evaluate the thought. He says, ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? And is it kind? Like, kind to yourself. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Um, John Acuff gave the example of, like, his daughter had failed a test. And she kept, she was all anxious the night before the next test because she kept thinking to herself, remember, you failed the last test, you failed the last test, you failed the last test. And then, you know, he told, he's like, do you think that's helpful for you to be dwelling on it like that? Well, no. Well, is it true? Yes. Is it helpful? No. Mm -hmm. Is it kind? No. If you had a friend that did that to you, a best friend that every, every single day before the test, remember you failed the last one, remember you failed the last one, they'd be a monster. So address that there's something up with what's going on with your mindset. I don't know. What are some things, Jesse, do you get into, into some, some things you realize, hey, wait a minute, maybe I'm thinking about this thing yeah. a little wrong. Yeah, I think so. Anytime you, I start hearing the word, I always, or I never, or I can't, like those are like, like, you know, those are maybe little cues that you should pay attention to that it's it sort of, there's a soundtrack that's going on underneath that you should stop and pay attention to. Right. I mean, think of my own son, Will, as he, he says, you know, I, I never get this right or whatever. And I'm like, no, you, you do get it right. Actually, a lot of times, but you start to tell yourself a story in your head. And so I think for me, I think it's important to stop and examine my doubt 
or my hesitation and go, I think, it, I think a, a helpful way to put it would be to doubt your doubts. Like just stop and go, why? And maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe it's true and it's helpful and it's kind to yourself and you, you ought not go that way because it's just not your strength or whatever. But doubt your doubts and examine your hesitation and go, what is causing me to pump the brakes right now and make excuses for why I can't move this thing forward? So for me, it's just, I have to have space to examine my hesitations and to get clear with myself about what's really going on. So examining your mindset, I think, is just pausing over it long enough to go, what's really going on here? We see this in our kids in sports all the time, don't totally. we? Totally. About mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, um, a stretch. I want to say it was last year, uh, when my son was, he was cranking the ball. He's hitting it great, but it was going right to the outfielder. I mean, like there were times when the guy didn't even have to move and he's making great, he's doing everything right. And he's, and he started saying to himself, "I, I just, I just always hit it to the outfield. That's just what I do. That's just how it goes. And sure enough, he kept doing it. And we, t- we had to talk about him. I'm like, Hey, listen, do you think every hit you're going to have the rest of your life is going to go right to the outfielder? It's like, no, that's stupid. I'm like, yeah, exactly. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, Hey, listen, you're making great content. You're doing things right. Mm-hmm. Eventually just the odds say it's going to change. And it yeah. did, but, it, but it was a mindset barrier for him because he was going up to the plate thinking I'm going to hit it right to the outfielder. And you sort of wonder if that became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, and I think you hit on something really helpful here is, is, and I think it kind of bridges into where we're going to go, but like having a coach in your life is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it, to, to, it, because sometimes maybe what we can't see as a mindset that's not serving us well or our leadership well, maybe uh, someone else that we trust in our life can say, Hey, it's not, you just, I think you're having a, you have a mindset right now that's getting in your way. That's limiting what we're trying to do here. And so for me, sometimes, you know, just even you and I talking about talking shop and going, hey, I, am I getting in my own way here? Having someone like that, uh, like a dad that says, hey, no, you're not going to hit every ball the rest of your life to the outfielder. No, you're not going to uh, always, you know, walk four guys, at, you know, every inning, which this was Will's struggle last year. He had a couple bad innings where he had a lot of walks and he was like, I'm a bad pitcher and I should never pitch again. I'm like... Okay, it's a little dramatic. Catastrophizing is what we end up doing. And we need people to talk us down from that sometimes. Well, you hear this in churches all the time. And that is, we we tried that before. We tried that strategy. We did that thing. We took that big swing and we struck out. Didn't work. Messed up. People got mad. Whatever it was. And so therefore, I'm not going to do it again because that means every time I take a swing, it's going to be a big failure. Yeah, we get risk averse when we, we do. try and fail, right? And I think at the same time, I don't know. You can't get a hit if you don't swing the bat. You know, you got to get up there and take your you know, take your licks, go for it, and you're not going to hit it a home run every time, right? Anyway, yeah. we're get way down the rabbit hole of baseball analogies, but I love it. That's good stuff. <laughs> so the question is, has your, you know, pastors out there listening, church folks listening, has your way of viewing yourself or your church or others getting in the way of what God wants to accomplish? I think that's the real question. And so what do you do about it? How do we change the mindset? How do we open ourselves to letting Christ renew us, renew our minds? Um, and I think it's, I, there's something in Atomic Habits that I love Uh, I first heard it in a TED talk about incremental change. 
uh, Stephen Dunier. I don't know if I'm saying it right. D-U-N-I-E-R. He did a TED talk called How to Achieve Your Most Ambitious Goals. And he he breaks out this stat, which I think is amazing. So Novak Djokovic, who uh, at one time was the number one tennis player in the world for quite some time. So in 2004 and 2005, that tennis season, his rank was over 100. And his prize winnings were $300,000. I mean, listen, he's a pro player. I mean, it's, I guess, good enough, right? That's not a bad living. His point win rate was 49%. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2011, 2016. So for a five-year stretch, he was ranked number one. Prize money, $14 million. His point win rate was 55%, only 6% more than it was before. That's not a huge amount of change, Mm -mm. but it changed everything. Thinking about the power of incremental change, I think is important. Like, how can I get 1% better? I I overheard um, my son's football coaches talking about this. Every practice, every play, every game. Every workout, how are you getting 1% better? In Atomic Habits, he says, if you can get 1% better each day for one year, you'll end up, he's like, this is how the math works, you'll end up 37 times better by the time you're done. 1% change. I, I love that. I think that's a really powerful example, right? He, he talks about, he says, you know, if a pilot's leaving from LAX and he adjusts his heading just three and a half degrees, he ends up in Philadelphia instead of New York City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's amazing. The power over time says it's like the compound I- interest. Totally. Uh, right? Yeah. I think that's spot on. It's just like, a, and, and to, to not feel like we have to make dramatic change in order to affect change. But we were, before we hit record, we were kind of reflecting on this. The, the slow, steady route where you're just you're you're improving and growing a little bit at a time pretty soon you're going to look up and you're going to be in a, a whole nother place and, and a lot hopefully a lot healthier place but and i think unfortunately it kind of works the other direction too we can slip back incrementally too and, and get to an unhealthy place but if we're going to change our mindset it doesn't have to be this uh complete overhaul of life it's just incremental change over time is going to get us there well, you see this, uh, the way that I think this plays out in church world a lot is when folks come in, and maybe you've been a part of churches that have done this, uh, pastors out there, but you know, a new pastor will come in and be like, look, the future is with more contemporary worship styles. We've been a traditional church for 150 years, but we're going to get rid of traditional because it's all about contemporary and no more traditional worship. I know you've done it a long time, but we've got to change. We've got to reach different people. And it's sort of an all or nothing thing. And that rarely ever works. All it really does is create a whole bunch of resentment. And then you drive away people who were genuinely having uh, a discipleship <laughs> experience that they can't even have anymore. So how can you get 1% better? Well, how can we start to tweak our Sunday school? How can we start to incorporate some different music styles in the service? How could we get better at reaching young families where they are? Right. I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, nothing. How do we get 1% better? Yeah. I think that goes true for like our, our leadership culture too. If you're maybe you're newer on the job and you're just like, man, this is not healthy. 
we need to change. What what small change can you make and introduce a healthy habit into your leadership culture that over time kind of takes over? I mean, so I do think that it's it sort of goes back to then when we were thinking about revitalization, you know, that's kind of the bedrock of our conversations here. How do we have healthier churches and healthy leaders and 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 navigate change? Well, it's it's little things over time that add up to big things. It's like, you know, that Socrates quote that we use, it, the secret to change is not fighting the old, but building the new, like focus on what you can, you know, not undo, but build for the future. So I think this is spot on kind of thinking the, the challenge with it is it takes patience and sticking with it. And sometimes we're just too impatient for that. And I'm by sometimes I mean, we I, I'm talking to myself. I just want to get <laughs> to the result now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we want things to turn around yesterday. And that's just not typically how it works. I know there are some stories out there of people, you know, they did a thing and it turned around immediately and it was incredible and that's great. But that's just never been my experience. It's always been make this small change and stick with it. it it's it's like a habit, right? So let's say, and I'm I'm in this now. So we talked, I, th- I don't, I can't remember where I mentioned everything. As I think we talked about podcast. It's, it's 281 episodes, man. I'm yeah, sure we yeah, talked about it. But, uh, you know, talking about starting to lift weights again and, and, that whole just shameful journey of not being able to uh, embarrassing journey of lifting lightweights. But uh, anyway, getting back into it, but just like your health goals, you could do everything right today and you could step on the scale or look in the mirror and there's no perceptible change. Does that mean you didn't have an effect? You do that same small change for two days, three days, two weeks, three weeks, all of a sudden you start seeing the results. And so you have to believe enough in the small incremental thing that it's going to pay off, even if you don't see the fruit right away. And that is a patience game. Yeah. I think that is some of the challenge of changing habits is if without immediate results or like immediate uh, you know, outcomes that are clear, it, it's hard to, to stay the course. And yeah. I do think that's one of the challenges with with any kind of change, changing your mindset, especially if there's an ingrained soundtrack that's been playing for a long time. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be challenging to overcome, but worth it if you can keep keep that that mentality to stop. Examine your mindset. What's going on with me right now? Why am I hesitant about this? Why do I think we can't do this? What am I hearing in our leadership team? What are the excuses we're giving about why this idea won't work for us or why we couldn't, couldn't do whatever we're trying to do. Um, and stopping in just long enough to go, what's, what's our mindset and why is that there? And then what are we going to do to change that mindset? What can we do to create a new way of thinking, a new habit? Yeah. And and in atomic habits, he talks about something that I think is really interesting and really important that it's not just about goal setting. We talked about goal setting a lot and the importance of goal setting. And it is, I still believe in it. But he says, really, the real issue is it's an identity problem. Yeah. It, it's not, for example, that I want to lose weight, but I want to become the kind of person that wants to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that it's an identity thing and that our habits shape our identity and our identity then shapes our habits. It's like a, a flywheel, if you will, totally. that keeps yeah. going forward, whether positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he says, once you, it, it's hard to change your habits if you never change the underlying beliefs that led to your past behavior. He says, once you've adopted an identity, it can be easy to let your allegiance to it impact your ability to change. 
like for myself, I'm not good at fundraising. I'm not good at raising, you know, money, um, talking about stewardship, whatever that is. I'll, I'll, I'll quite easily dismiss opportunities to get better at it because I, Oh, that's just not me. And I think it's more than just knowing what my gifts are. I think it's, it's intentionally tuning out or letting that just be a soundtrack that plays on replay because it's easier than for me to try to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we look at our actual actions, what we actually do, we actually get to see what our mindset is or our beliefs are or our values are. So it's one thing to say things. It's another thing to do things. And so that, that cycle of thought and action and action and thought and how those feed each other, I think is another thing that's really important to pay attention to. If you want to know what your priorities are, look at what you think about and how you spend your time. And if you want to change your priorities, change what you do and how you spend your time. And it's going to become important. And it's like, those things are just go together. And, um, I, I don't know, but that's one of the areas where it gets hard because you can get on a good winning streak with that stuff and then default back to some bad behaviors yeah. or bad ways of thinking. So this is a constant kind of, kind of takes constant vigilance as you're adopting a new mindset to, to stay on track, I think. So I've been praying through this a bit about mm-hmm. God renewing my mind and yeah. saying, help me to become the kind of pastor that enjoys raising money so that the kingdom of God can flourish through what we're doing. Like, help me become the kind of pastor. Wow. Like, I, I want to enjoy it. Not just like, I'm not good. I, I want to enjoy because I think it's it's worth it. So well, when you gonna... get there, fly out here and then I'll <laughs> let you share with our congregation too. But, no, but I think good. about, I love you know, a lot of things like that. Like, oh, I'm not handy. So not I'm, just, yeah, it's I'm not, not just a saying, help person. me get good. It don't yeah. help me just get good at this, but help me actually thrive in it and enjoy it and find life in it. Yeah. I, love that. I think that's really good, Jason. Because you think about all those identities that we heap on ourselves, like, oh, I'm a manuscript preacher. I can't do it any other way. I'm a shepherd pastor. I'm not a vision pastor. Or I'm a vision pastor. I'm not a shepherd pastor. Like, what are those things that are truly getting in the way Mm -hmm. of us fulfilling the purpose that God's called us to. Yeah, solid. So last last point here as we're talking about mindset is really just for everybody to ask yourselves this question. Is there a mindset that you think Jesus would like to give you today? Is there something that you feel like maybe you haven't had three books come across your desk like me, but maybe you have been getting nudges and hints and God winks and you know there's something that maybe he's addressing what sort of change do you think he wants for you today? Is it about, could be about your individual health or your church's health or a combination thereof? Maybe this week, as we now it's Holy Week and leaning into Easter Sunday, maybe that's a great area of focus, pastors, um, to just pray on it and just think, you know, what kind of mindset does Jesus want for me? What kind of breakthrough does he want for me? Yeah. Not does he want from me, what does he want for me? You know, that's good. I think of the disciples there with the great commission, right? I mean, think about uh, overcoming some mindset challenges and here Jesus says, you know, go into all the world. <laughs> and I mean, what? And right before that in Matthew's gospel, we read, you know, that these were, it was a gathering of, as of worshipers, but some doubted, right? There was, there was real doubt in, in trying to figure out what all this means and what it's going to look like. And so Doubt is part of our life as leaders and a mindset that puts limits on what we think 
we can do or as a church or as a leader ourselves or and it's 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 important to stop and remember who's on our side you know jesus gave them that mission and said i'm going to be with you in the midst of that mission always all all the way up to the very end before he returns and so the same is true for us and so i like that question jason what what mindset would jesus want us to examine in our own lives that's getting in the way of the purpose to which he's calling us and I think too, just to tie a bow on it, I think healthy leaders are a big part of what God does to create healthy churches. I, I just don't, I haven't seen a lot of healthy churches that have very unhealthy leaders. Um, it's the leader isn't everything, but it's something clearly yeah. that God uses and always has. So here's to your health pastors as That's we right. uh, move forward into this ministry year. I pray that everybody has a wonderful rest of your Holy Week. A wonderful Easter, and that you get some time off and kick it to the youth pastor to preach the following year. <laughs> <There you laughs> Whatever they call that right. youth pastor Sunday, right? That's right. Not yeah, everybody's that everybody, lucky to have a youth pastor. You know, I think the punchline is we want everybody running a sub four minute mile by then, <laughs> a couple months from now. That's right. No, I love it. Good stuff, Jason. I appreciate always getting to talk shop with you. And yeah, we are we're rooting for good Easter celebrations out there, and for God to meet the people who are coming. Maybe just showing up because somebody said you have to come to church or you don't get Easter lunch or whatever. Um, that somehow God will work through you and your congregations, and maybe it's a conversation they had before or after church, and it has nothing to do with what you say. But that God will be at work in in those celebrations, and we're we're, uh, we're praying for that. All right, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. Pray that you have a great Easter. Let's have healthy mindsets as we move forward and let's spur each other on because ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it.